The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a really special episode for you because it's episode 200. I am so excited to be talking to you this week. I can't believe we hit 200 episodes. Once upon a time, that felt impossible. And I really wanted to do something special this week to commemorate this big round number. I like things that are big and round. So, once upon a time, body storytelling was monthly in Los Angeles, and a regular feature at those LA shows was Sex Nerd Sandra. Sex Nerd Sandra is both a human and a podcast. For well over 10 years, she has been known as a professional sex nerd, teaching workshops, speaking at universities, and hosting a show that skips across the landscape of both sex and relationships. Her podcast, Sex Nerd Sandra, began with Nerdist Industries in 2011 and has been downloaded over 15 million times. You may have noticed that Sex Nerd Sandra has vanished during the last couple of years. Later on, we'll have an update from Sandra herself, who'll share what prompted her hiatus and the important things she's learned about herself while she was away. As I said, Sandra was a regular at Body LA, and as she approached her 100th episode of the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast, she asked me to create something special to help her commemorate the occasion. And that was one of my favorite shows. So now we're commemorating the Body Storytelling Podcast's 200th episode with a show that Sandra and I created together, Sex Geek Secrets. On this week's episode, you'll hear Ted, the atmospheric scientist, porn performer and brainiac Ned Mayhem, an award-winning sexologist and certified somatic sex educator, Jaya Ma, who was featured on the reality show Sex, Love & Goop, which recently premiered on Netflix. We'll end the episode with a song from Windows to Sky, because how many sex and storytelling shows get to feature an orchestra? So settle in. It's time for the show. about body storytelling. We started as the people who went to sex parties who went, I always lose you in the puppy pile. What were you doing? I wanna hear. And then we would have a time and we'd get together and they'd tell, we'd tell crazy stories to each other and eventually everybody went, I get to come listen to those stories, right? And it turned into this. Um, but we are here for a very special reason tonight and that is to celebrate Sex Nerd Sandra's 100th podcast on Nerdist. And 
I would like to start off the show by asking her to come to the stage and thank you for coming to her party. Sex Nerd Sandra, y'all. So, Los Angeles. I am, I am a LA native. I was born in downtown LA. I grew up in Santa Monica. And I'll tell you right now, we love our comedy in this city. And we love our movies and stories in this city. We love our human stories, right? And sex is a part of that human story. Because se sex is scary, but sex is funny. So, thank you to each and every one of you for coming out tonight because you are the hottest people in Los Angeles right now in this room, okay? All right, I adore you all. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Let's have a good time. Thank you. So, as I said, been doing this for a very long time. I've heard a lot of perverted stories. And if you hear the word perverted, you're a pervert. I'm going to call y'all perverts. Pervert to me... Pervert to me means you talk openly about sex, you like sex. I assume y'all like sex. Do you like sex? Then y'all are perverts. Every month we gather perverts together and we have a slogan, body got me laid. And it really will get you laid. That's not your number one priority. That doesn't have to happen. Although I can tell you when I have to go to the bathroom at the break, I'm like, could y'all wrap that up? Because I really need to get these spanks off right now. So, body storytelling is told, not read off paper. We don't read up here. Stories are true, told by the person who had the adventures. Stories relate to sex, kink, gender, anything in that realm. And stories are told for the all-curated show in 10 minutes or less. And to help us with 10 minutes or less, please welcome to the stage our timekeeper, Lady Dragon. Thank you to Lady Dragon for being our timekeeper tonight. Are you ready to hear some really dirty stories? Woo! The stories you're about to listen to on this podcast demonstrate how integral sexual intimacy can be to your identity. And you'll hear on episode after episode of this podcast how fulfilling it can be to feed that part of yourself. This is where you'll hear the part that people can't share anywhere else but at Body. And this week we've hit a milestone. There is no better time than right now to become a member of our Patreon and to ensure that the intimate, relatable stories told at Body can continue to make it out into the world each week. Your Patreon support allows me to pay podcast producers and editors and coaches and gives me a private place to share the behind the scenes, the good and the bad with you. Social media would love for you to believe that life is G-rated, but that means editing and restricting parts of the story. And you want to hear the whole truth, don't you? Patreon is a place for the people who love body and want to see it continue. So if you'd like to say thank you to me and the team for 200 episodes of high quality storytelling, go to patreon.com slash body right now and become a member. Stories change lives. Help us continue for another 200 episodes or more by becoming a Patreon member today. Thanks in advance for your support. In honor of Sandra's 100th podcast, our theme tonight was chosen by her. That theme is Sex Geek Secrets. 
We invited geeks from both San Francisco and here in LA to get on stage and share their private lives with you. I have asked them not to include any anal fisting, so hopefully we're not gonna cover that. Francisco was dirtier than LA, but that might not be true. I'm looking forward to this. Our first storyteller tonight is someone that we brought down from San Francisco because he is one of the biggest geeks I know. He's, it's okay. Do it again. Come on. Geeks! He is an atmospheric scientist who has a real job, so you can't know his last name. <laughs> Unlike the rest of y'all who are out, I'm totally out. Everybody knows I'm a pervert, but he's got a job. <laughs> so he's like, Dixie, don't say my last name. And I'm like, I'm gonna get about halfway through. I know accidentally because I'm so used to saying an entire name. So if you hear his entire name, pretend you didn't hear his entire name, okay? He came all the way from San Francisco to kick off this show, and he's in the first spot, the toughest spot. So y'all are gonna make a huge deal, aren't you? Please welcome to the stage, Ted! I'm gonna proceed to use my first nine minutes adjusting the microphone here. Um, this story is fundamentally about sphincters. There are 50 different kinds, one or two in particular, but we'll get back to the count later. But there are over 50 different kinds of sphincters in your body. Your, the pupil of your eye is a sphincter. There's a sphincter into and out of your stomach. There are capillaries. There's sphincters in your capillaries. And this story isn't about any of those. I got involved in a study of orgasmic response, which is scientific longhand for orgasm. Thank you for seeing through the subterfuge there. I got involved in this study with a friend of a friend. It was a, I didn't know Ram that well, but she was working on her PhD in sexology or something. And she needed to do a study of orgasm. Now, the idea of orgasm in human experience is fairly well documented throughout the ages. So if you want to get a PhD, you've got to kind of do something special. So she was doing a study of orgasm in post-op transsexuals. I see everyone squinting and leaning forward. You probably might figure out that I'm either, well, I'm not a, let's just say I'm not a post-op transsexual. Let's just get out that out there. And I guess that makes me a pre-op transsexual, but I don't really have plans for the op. So I'm not really sure that qualifies, which makes me a non-op transsexual, which doesn't sound, sounds like something you put up on blocks and register that way with the DMV. So let's just say, Let's just say I'm the control group, because that's what I was. <laughs> it's okay, I'm proud to be the control group. I might have slightly more sensitive nipples than average, but other than that, it's all, it's all the same biology. Too much information? It's gonna get worse. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so how, here's the question, and I'll put it to the audience here. You've got you think about this whole transsexual process, you've got innies going to outies, outies going to innies. You're messing, you're putting all these tissues through the surgical blender. How, you don't have the same things in the same places that you do in originally biological men and women. How do you study orgasmic response? Anybody have any ideas? Very 
Very carefully is good. But the sphincter, I, did you know that or is that just your answer to everything? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. But yeah, it's the sphincter. It's, it's anally, and I'm thinking, well, I've got an anus. I can do this. <laughs> if, if this is the qualification, I can do this. So I, I agree to go down and, um, well, I agree to go into the study room. Let's leave the down. Uh, I, I agree to go and be a part of this study, control group and all. Somebody's got to do it, right? So I, I, now I, I, I go down there, and the, there's, how, do you, how do you do this? Well, here's where the anal probe comes in. You didn't see it coming? If you didn't see it coming, you weren't looking, because that's what, yeah. But since it's science, we'll call it the anal transducer, right? So I am a little nervous about meeting the transducer. The first, it, it's new to me. How am I gonna do this? Well, I see, I meet the transducer, and I, I had been, I, I, as I look back on the experience, I'd been real worried about diameter, and that was thankfully slim. But boy, was that thing long. I knew where it was going, that was pretty obvious, but why? Why did it have to? And that's when I learned about the second sphincter. Okay, now this is actually real science here, so listen up, because it's a tax deduction or something. But there's, you, you have the initial anus, the initial, the outside anal sphincter, and then deeper in there's a second sphincter, which can trigger orgasms in people, hint, hint but which is another part of the whole orgasmic response. So the idea here is I, install, for lack of a better word, the anal transducer, and then we know, based on contractions, that I'm having orgasms. Sounds great. So the device is connected through a series of wires to this bank of equipment, which is all paper tape recorders and old EKG machines. It looks like a Frankenstein set back there, but this is the equipment that Ram has cobbled together. So I installed the anal transducer, and now I've got this kind of wire coming out and heading across the room to this thing, which I don't know if it's gonna electrocute me or what. And I, the first thing I think is, when I get home, I've got to apologize to the cat for laughing at him a few days after he ate that piece of string. I'm <laughs> it's only fair. I, I now see what, and anyways. So I get down to business. Now I want to do this right, but I'm also a scientist, so I'm bringing some variables into it. I brought some things. And so I'd be like, all right, you know, I'm doing my thing and I'm putting on the cock ring and she'd, reach out and put a little mark on the paper tape recorder, like it's some perverse lie detector test, right? <laughs> so she's putting a little mark on, I'm like, all right, you know, now with the nipple clamps, now with the jelly donut and the, and the thing. So I, I, I'm getting these little marks and I'm getting closer and closer and I'm realizing, well, I don't know how much paper tape is left, so I, I better get going here. And I tell her, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to orgasm. And usually when you're with somebody and you mention this, there's some sense of shared purpose, some sense of, <laughs> common experience, right? Like, this is a group project, but no, all I get this time is just one little mark on the paper. That's that. All right, so we, I'm done. We shake hands, which is made somewhat less uncomfortable by the fact that I'm right-handed. And, I'm sorry, that I, the fact that I'm left-handed, that was where that was going. See how that works? Less uncomfortable because I'm left-handed. That's what I was doing there, thanks. Uh, and so I, I leave and, and I, I, I go, go home, and I, I absent my, after I'm in the car, I realized I still have one of the EKG pads, which I stuck on the dashboard of my beater car and forgot about until the next time I had to give somebody a ride and explain that one. <laughs> so I get home, and a few weeks later, I get a call from Rom saying, hey, I gotta tell you something. I'm thinking, this is awkward. You know, what, 
the transducer broke what? You know, I, I don't know what this call is all about. So she says, no, I, I went over your traces with another researcher. And I'm kind of like, wow, that seems awful personal, but okay, I should have, should have expected that. She says, yeah, you're multiply orgasmic. I'm thinking, oh, okay. Didn't really see that one coming, but all right, you know, how is that? And she showed me the traces. Now, you got to understand, I grew up uh, with a mother who was very active in Planned Parenthood. I had all the biological information and some of the social cues, but really the biological information, let's focus on that. And she, I, you know, we, one of the things was the 1972 edition of Our Bodies, Ourselves, which is a great book if you want to learn about. Yeah, it's a great book. You learn things, as a nine-year-old, you learn things in that book, like there's clean up your room messy, and there's childbirth messy. And, yeah. You learn, you can reliably identify lesbians because they're wearing suede jackets with wide belts. And you also learn that men are not multiply orgasmic and women are, and that's just the way it is. And this is as much dogma as anything else. Yeah, I know, it's not, truth, truth is different, but that's what I learned. So this, I, I kind of built that into my way of thinking. So when she said, you're multiply orgasmic, I kind of had to wrap my brain around this, like, okay, you know, as I begin to think about it, I can see how what you're saying is right. Those are different orgasms, but sure, it's still an orgasm. And so this was, I had to kind of reconcile this to the idea that, okay, this is blending things. It was made somewhat less difficult by the fact that we got a, my mom a pea funnel a few years ago for Christmas. So I felt like that kind of mixed up the whole standing upright thing. But um, that is my story. So I guess if there's a moral to it, it would be if you're ever offered a well-instrumented anal transduction, don't turn it down. You might find out you're multiply orgasmic. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> love just seeing a guy who looks like that talking about his butthole. Did you know that Dipsy now has over 500 sexy stories, sleep scenes, and wellness sessions waiting for you to discover? Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. They feature believable characters and stories that transport you to a better place. And Dipsy releases new stories every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter what or who turned you on. Plus, Dipsy also has wellness sessions and bedtime soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off to sleep. Best of all, Dipsy offers you unlimited access to their library of hundreds of short, sexy stories. So far, over 58 million minutes have been shared with listeners on their app. So what are you waiting for? I know you love stories because you're a listener of this podcast. They know it too. So right now, Dipsy is offering body storytelling listeners a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash D-I-X-I-E. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Dixie. Savor some new sexy stories and practice self-care. Head over to dipsystories.com right now and tell them I sent you by using the promo code Dixie. I've imported another pervert from the Bay Area for y'all. He is a physics graduate student who moonlights as a queer porn performer. Once again, I love my life. Holy shit. He is the founder of PSIgasm.net, which is those transducer stories. So it's his first time on stage down here in Los Angeles. Please welcome one of my favorite performers, Ned Mayhem. Hello. 
So, you know, nowadays, as Dixie was saying, I do lots of crazy sex stuff all the time, and it's very, very, very public. I like to tell everybody about it. In fact, that's part of the business, you know, is telling everybody about it. I try to share as much as possible in these crazy porn sites and stuff. Um, and so, you know, this is a show about secrets, sex geek secrets. So I have to tell a story, I think, from back before I was so public about all my sex stuff. I mean, these days, you know, I feel like every, everything I do, I have to broadcast on the internet as widely as I possibly can in order to get everybody, you know, to come looking at this crazy porn site we've started. Um, you know, I got the, like, for rent sign hanging on my asshole. I'm trying to get everybody to come shell out their wallets to see me, you know, doing my thing. So I'm trying to like get every little piece of my libido I can scrounge together and broadcast it to everybody who will listen. There's not a lot of secrets involved in my sex life these days. Um, but this story is from before that was true, before I was moonlighting as a porn star and I was just doing the physics thing. It was 2008 and I was a little itty bitty pervert, you know. Um, I was living in Europe off of a diet of mostly um, wine, baguettes and Nutella if I recall. Um, and outside of Geneva, I was living in rural France, working on this science experiment they have going out there. Um, it's called the Lar Large Hadron Collider, and it, it was a really amazing experience working there, except I just always had this desire to quit and start a gay bar across the street called the Large Hardon Collider. But I didn't, I was shy then, and I didn't suck nearly so much dick as I do now, so it would have been a little less appropriate. But anyways, this experiment was really getting my, you know, libido going for nerdy, nerdy topics, because this thing, if you haven't heard of the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, it's 27 kilometers long underground tunnel sunk, it's, tilted at an angle so it can go under Lake Geneva on the other side and avoid the granite under the Jura Mountains on the other side. It accelerates these protons and antiprotons to like really close to the speed of light to 14 tera electron volts of energy, smashes them into each other and records every single particle coming out. And I would have to go down this huge tunnel underground, 200 meters underground to like balance across superconducting magnets and install these laser sensors that all looked at each other and aligned to these muon chambers that were like a football field long to within four millionths of a meter accuracy. And to get in, they had a goddamn retinal scanner to get in there. It would literally look at my eyeballs going to work and go beep, 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 beep. Ned, identification approved and I would always get a little bit hard. Because how was my life going that badly if that's going on? If some little retinal scanner is going, identification approved, then you gotta be doing something right in life as a nerd, right? So I was starting to get invested in this identity of nerddom that they might actually be hot, because I was sort of, I'm proud of this stuff, this is really cool. Um, but, you know, I'm still a huge geek at the time. Like, I still am, of course, and horribly awkward meeting people and such. So I'm at this party and, you know, flirting and such as I can, meaning mostly standing with my back to the wall with hunched shoulders and such, because I'm a geek. Um, and, you know, there was another such person that I noticed across the room who was, you know, very awkward, bookish woman, uh, about 28 years old and had glasses on and, you know, hair all over her face a little bit and loose-fitting clothing, but 
I thought a really nice body also, and I struck up a conversation. So we got to know each other a little bit in that horribly awkward sort of party way where you're really just talking to each other because neither of you has the confidence to talk to anyone else at the party. <laughs> but I got her number and we went out and it was a little bit awkward, but as soon as we got talking about books, we hit solid ground. She was an academic, she had been to orthodontic school and was, you know, incredibly shy and awkward, but she would tell me like, in perfect English, with barely an accent, like, I'm so sorry, it's hard for me to communicate as smoothly as I could in English because I'm brushing up on my French, Spanish, and German. <laughs> I was like, God, you Dutch, how, what, what's, ah, ah, this is not fair. But anyway, she lent me these books and she had read more than I had, and so we went back and forth on English literature, on physics, she was teaching me about dental research. We had this intense, she would get, completely unawkward as soon as we were talking about literature. And it was through that that, you know, I was able to get a few more dates and eventually we started sleeping together, which was really fun. But still, whenever we're not talking about literature, she's super shy, right? So I'm taking the lead a lot and I'm liking it, but as mini pervert, right? I'm mini pervert now. Um, I want to know what she's really into, like the dirty secrets and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I'm getting her to open up with intellectual stuff, and eventually over time I wear her down and she starts to like be a little bit more comfortable sharing something like this. You know, it was after talking through a really sexy Henry Miller passage and <laughs> she's like, well, I did, I had this fantasy once. I was, I, it's a little weird, and, but oh, and I'm trying to get her to come out and I have this weird impression, because I'm young, that people who are shy about talking about their sex fantasies mean they have kind of tame sex fantasies. <laughs> but, so I'm expecting her to say like, maybe we could use a vibrator during sex. And she's like, well, um, well, I saw this video and maybe you could like tug on the chain on these nipple clamps I have and, and put this big three inch dildo in me and then, then finger my ass and slap me in the face and call me a bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, is that weird? I'm just like. Yeah, we should do that. No, no, that's, that's not weird. Every, everybody wants to do that, yeah. I think, I just I hear that from all the girls, really. Yeah, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> so basically, from then on, we start fucking like crazy, you know, fueled by the passion of our literary shared experience. Um, and we get quite close and, you know, have sex over much of Geneva, as you do. Um, but I was only there for a year at CERN. I had to go back and start my physics grad school in Berkeley and, you know, become an epic pervert and such. Um, so eventually, after a few months of fucking like crazy, our time was coming to a close. And, you know, the day finally arrived when it was my last day in Geneva. And I went over to her apartment, and it was one of those student apartments because she was also finishing her degree in orthodontics. Um, and so we're having that kind of melancholy but awesome sex of knowing that, you know, you're going to have to say goodbye in a few hours. And I'm going down on her and using her favorite dildo, you know, like <laughs> jamming it right in there, trying to come the pain away and all that. 
And it's getting really hot, you know? The same way it's, like, depressing, it's also just, like, really, really raw and hot because you don't want to be able to think about anything else in that circumstance. So we're trying to get so into it, and then right when she's, like, building up towards orgasm, there's this, what's that smell? And I go, something's burning, all right? And it's not something that's supposed to be burning. This isn't, like, a barbecue, like, there's some... Something's on fire. So we look at each other, and there's a real chance the building's on fire here, because I don't think an alarm would go off. And we're just, there would have to make a decision there. You have to. <laughs> One of those times in life that really tests your priorities. And I always thought that when it came down to it, I would put that kind of sex right up on top, but you know, I'd never been tested. And I'm glad I passed. So after she came, we went to figure out what the smell was and looked out the window and there's a library across the street from her apartment that was completely up in flames. And so we sat there looking out the window at this library burning and the top story that had all the you know, the, the fiction and all the English literature and stuff was just flames, you know, 30 feet high. And the fire department came. And we sat up late watching this fire because it was amazing. It was right across the street. Um, but, you know, we were literally, you know, all those books burning was what we bonded over, those same words. So we were inhaling the ashes of the foundation of our relationship over our last night together. And... You know, he stayed up late, like, bucking and bawling and <laughs> eventually dozed off and woke up and they'd put it out and you could see, like, the skeleton of the building and the ashes and stuff. And I drove her to the airport and dropped her off. And, you know, it was a, kind of, it stuck with me. But that really set the stage to move to San Francisco and invent wireless anal transducers. <laughs> Has your sex fallen into the same old dull routine? Spice things up and break those boring habits with a fun, sexy box of adventure from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten lets you rev things up with your own custom curated box of pleasure with their new BYO box, aka Build Your Own Box. Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all your erotic essentials, from vibrators and handcuffs to massage oils and robes. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. Let me try it again. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. You get to choose one item out of each of their six categories. Toys, beauty products, lube and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie. I chose a fur and leather flogger, a high-quality lube, massage oil, a couple's card game, a sexy black satin robe, and best of all, a silicone vibrator called the Pleasure Hunter with an assortment of attachments to take it up a notch. And the whole box only costs $69. That's right, $69. And most of the vibrators alone retail for more than $69. So their entire box of six gifts is a steal. And I love that a portion of all sales go to charities that focus on women's empowerment, education, and health. So you can feel good about feeling good. 
And Like a Kitten is offering body storytelling listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or enter code D-I-X-I-E at checkout. I've put a link in the episode's description to make it easy for you. So grab this deal while it lasts and tell them I sent you. Just go to likeakitten.com slash Dixie or use promo code Dixie to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Are you ready for your next storyteller? She is an award-winning somatic sexologist. Right. You've probably seen her on The Doctors, heard her on Playboy Radio, seen her on TMZ, Tyra Banks' show. She's been everywhere, and I want you to make her welcome. Please welcome to the stage, Jaya. I'm a horrible sub. (laughs) And I'm a sex geek. And my body never lies. This is a story about my body's truth. So I'm a somatic sexologist. And what that means is that I have to study everything from the standpoint of my body. Which means that if I'm writing a book about kink, well, I guess it's time to get kinky. (laughs) And being a sex geek and a somatic sexologist opens up, well, Pandora's box. It's gotten me into a lot of interesting situations, a lot of insights, and a lot of profound situations. Right now, I'm noticing that my body wants to be on the floor, so is it okay if I get on the floor? That's so much better. I like having my legs spread, too. (sighs) Okay, so, my body. Sex geekery, getting me into trouble. Well, I could tell you about my 101 days of self-pleasure, where I accidentally electrocuted my vulva. (sighs) I could tell you about my 90 days of oral sex with my wonderful partner. And how one night, I was going down on him, and I look up at him, and he's got a cell phone like this. Are you taking pictures, honey? Um, Excuse me, I'm going down on you. And then he's like, "Um, what do you want for dinner tomorrow? Uh, Food? Okay, then he starts drinking some water. I'm like, okay, this is the worst oral sex ever, and end up actually turning into the hottest oral sex ever. Um, Or the time when we couldn't find the batteries to that little wheel of tongues thing called a squeal. And uh, we searched for like 45 minutes, and anyway, he liked it better than I did. Um, So I could tell you about all those things, but instead, I'm gonna go sex geek gone deep. And I'm gonna get naked for you. And a little vulnerable. Hold on a second while I get this thing off. (laughs) 
I wanted to introduce you to my shy, reluctant enigma. I'll explain what she is in a moment. So, oh, where did my mic go? There it is. I'm at a retreat in Hawaii with a brilliant woman, an actress named Sheila Kelly. She does this work with erotic creatures. And I was speaking, but I was really interested in what my erotic creature might be. And after she saw me move, she said, you're the shy, reluctant enigma. I said, what? Are you fucking kidding me? The shy, reluctant fucking enigma? I'm the girl like this, with my pussy in everybody's face. And here's my ass. The shy, fucking, reluctant enigma? I have joy in this body. I have ecstasy in this body. What are you talking about? She said, that's what she needs. She needs to hide. She has terror in there. Terror. I called up my partner and I said, Sheila Kelly says I'm the shy, fucking, reluctant enigma. And he said, well, that's why I fell in love with you. I know, isn't he sweet? So let's get back to submission. Well, I had just dominated my partner for 40 days for research for my next book, which was totally hot. Don't you love being a sex geek? Isn't it awesome? Because you get to do that. So it's totally hot. He's totally hot. We're having the hottest sex ever. I mean, that like sex when you walk in the room and you just like smile at each other like you're teenagers because the sex is so fucking hot and so naughty. And we have to switch, which means I have to be a sub. And I thought, okay, we'll have more hot, naughty sex. I thought, okay, I'll explore my shy, reluctant enigma. Maybe she wants to surrender. And I'll explore 40 days of submitting and I'll write my book. My sex geek is an overachiever, I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> and we're, you know, he's dominating me the first day and I laughed in his face. <laughs> you call that dominant? <laughs> and I giggled a lot and I thought to myself, he doesn't know what he's doing with that flogger. How am I supposed to surrender this? Oh, and now he's spanking me. What did I do to deserve that? <laughs> fuck master, whatever, what the fuck? He's flogging me, he's paddling me, and I'm like a dead fish. And anybody who's a dom in this room knows what having a partner who's a dead fish is like. Not very fun. So on day six, he calls me out and he says, you know what, you're not responding to me. I said, you're right. He said, it's your father stuff. And tears welled up in my eyes. And I knew he was right. And I had to breathe. Two days later, I fell apart completely, sobbing and sobbing, and I couldn't stop sobbing. And that night I said, I need a scene. I need the collar. I needed the collar to be my container to release. He put the collar on and I fell apart. Like my shy, reluctant enigma wanted to fall apart. She wanted to hide. She didn't want anyone to see how afraid she was. I was afraid. Afraid for my mother, afraid for my sister, 
afraid for my life. And it all came out that night. All those emotions, they fell out of me, flying like caged birds set free. And it was amazing and cathartic. And I realized, I understood what Sheila Kelly was talking about. She did need to hide. And even though I wanted to be a naughty, hot, submissive, even though I was like, fuck that shy, reluctant enigma, the body never lies. And my body had a story. My body wouldn't surrender to a paddle, but my body would surrender to a man who could protect me. That was something my friend Pamela Madsen taught me. Surrender wasn't about being right. It was about letting go, letting go of the pain, letting go of who I thought it was supposed to be, who I thought he was supposed to be as a dominant. And so my body taught me something. It taught me that it's okay. It's okay to be in the healing. Instead of a naughty submissive or a bad submissive, I'm in a healing place. And today we're on day 27 of this journey. And this was part of my assignment. I had to get up on stage. <laughs> So I'm glad you all got to meet and witness the shy, reluctant enigma because she likes to hide. She's not going to tell you all of the story. She's going to be in a little mystery. But just ponder for a moment what your body really wants, how your body really wants to be and move and be loved and be touched. And even though it's submissive or dominant, it doesn't have to look like our stereotypes. For me, sitting and being protected, crying with my collar on, is all I need. Thank you. Tell you, I got a little bit of a secret thrill when I contacted her assistant to ask if she could tell a story on stage. And they said, I think her calendar is free and she can, but she is doing 40 days of kink right now and we have to ask her master. So I will get back to you shortly. And I'm like, seriously, I fucking love my life. Really? This is a song from 1959 by Tom Lehrer. You may know it. Yes. You may know it. Did, did we get too loud? It sounds like we, okay. Well, you may know it from uh, Dr. Demento. of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. 
Let our love be a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eyes, set fire to my As we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand. My heart is in my hand. Ew. It's here that I must be. My heart entreats. Just hear those savage beats. And go put on your cleats. And come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany. That's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire. Which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. And I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love. Sticking into your gums. Sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches. The last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we danced to the masochism tango. Fashion my brain, make me scream with pain, then kick me once again. They will never part I know too well I'm underneath your spell So darling, if you smell something burning It's my heart Excuse me Take your cigarette from its holder And burn your initials in my shoulder Fracture my spine And swear that you're mine As we dance to the Masochism Tango. Such great stories. In order, that was Ted the Atmospheric Scientist, Ned Mayhem, and Jaya Ma, followed by a song by Windows to Sky. Next week, we'll be back with the second half of that live show with stories from Reed Mahalko, Sarah Benincasa, and a story and a special message from sex nerd Sandra. Have you enjoyed this episode? I'd like to ask you right now, because we just hit this magic number, if you could go to wherever you review podcasts and write some words about what this podcast means to you, why you love it, how you wish you were at a live show, your favorite story, give us as many stars as you can. After all this work to get to 200, I would love to be able to have new reviews to read. It tells other people that the Body Storytelling Podcast is worth listening to, and that's really important. 
we really want to grow. Before I go, I want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Donald Mooney, Marty Garcia, David Grossoff, Joe Moore, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, and Zoom Keeper Joseph. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 200 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. We'll be back with the second part of the show next week. So stay tuned and thanks for listening.